mindfulness mode. We need to take more self-care. We need to take more self-loving actions to us as we go through this great awakening. Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with a man whose mission is to show people that you can be more of yourself when you go on the journey to heal your heart. And he's certainly been on that journey, and I can tell that by listening to his podcast and and reading his bio. He's the founder of Raw Attraction Magazine, which has over 3 million downloads, and the Heart Initiation Academy, and he's the author of My Ecstatic Rebirth, The 10 Keys to Unleash Your Power, Reper- uh, Your Power, Purpose, and Pleasure. I'm here today with Steve James. Steve, are you in mindfulness mode today? I certainly am doing my best to do to be as mindful as I can at every single moment that I live. So yeah, this is this is one of those moments. So I look forward to connecting with you about mindfulness on the podcast. Great. Fantastic. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Steve? The definition to me is an integrated version of oneself or myself so that's cultivating a deep embodied present awareness of what is going on in my body and also awareness of what is going on in reality uh beyond me and in this world at large and also having a I use the my own map of the true divine self which I've discovered on my shamanic journey so I'm mindful of that aspect or the map of my own being when I interact with someone. So I have just briefly, it's really being mindful of the connection to my higher self, the connection to my heart, the connection to my soul, the connection to God. And, and then I bring myself forward in a mindful way from that point of view. Um, so it's about bringing that in a sense of self-awareness and emotional regulation and living myself and showing up fully in myself in a mindful way in every moment, um, bringing all aspects of my being to a situation. And there's obviously different aspects of mindfulness. Uh, There's mindful action, there's mindful attention, mindful awareness, mindful acceptance, mindful compassion. Um, we've, it's, it's not all just being still. I, I think some people maybe new to mindfulness might think it might be that, but for me, it's also in our actions. Uh, and we're, as we're human beings, we're more in an action mode, unless we're sleeping, of course, than we're, um, in a non-action mode. So being mindful in our actions is, is incredibly important. Well, I really like the detail that you put into that answer, Steve. I wanted to ask you, how old were you when you decided that you wanted to focus on how to divine, how to align with your divine plan? Yeah, divine plan and divine self. Um, because yeah, divine plan is uh, is a word I use a lot on my podcast and in my work. Uh, it was probably when I was twenty nine. I'm 39 now, so about a decade decade ago, or 28. And um, that just came out after a lot of consecutive heartbreaks and, uh, and just going down a path that was a broken path. It wasn't a healed path. And then I read certain books at that point. I think the first time I saw the word 
words of divine plan were in a book called uh, Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara Marciniak. I think that's how you pronounce her name, probably. Mm-hmm. Or Marciniak, I think, sorry. Um, it's a channel book from the Pleiades, and it just rang a bell with me. And then a few months after reading that, my mentor was using those words all the time. She was, that was saying, she was saying that was all of the work that she did was to get people aligned and get herself aligned with her divine plan or your divine plan. Cause we all have individual divine plans. So it was around the, uh, 28, 29. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what role does God play in your divine plan? Well, the map that I, uh, use in the true divine self has it's like two trinities with the heart in its center and so the heart and the soul are as one in the center then you've got the great i am which i say is my version of of what god is it's it's the infinite everything it's the lattice work of reality it's love it's justice it's peace it's uh, everything divine that you can imagine in the great I am. So that's God. And then you've got the I am, which is your higher self, the I am consciousness. And that when you are consciously uh, connected with it, you, you're in a oneness with God. I say God is inf- infinite at infinite speed, or you could say light speed or just an infinite speed. Whereas the I am consciousness, we have as human beings have to engage with it. So we, we do it at our own speed. We can't take on the mind of God, which I know you mentioned before the podcast about DMT. And I, I remember one of my friends speaking about the five MEO DMT that she had done. I haven't done that one uh, because it sounds way too intense, but it, she had experience and I had a similar kind of experience on, on DMT where you do psychedelics and you fall into the void and you, you, you probably get a taste of what this infinite God love justice lattice work of reality is, is like, and she, I can't really do it justice, but she explained it to me and that's what it was like. And it, you know, we have to live in this reality. We can't constantly be on these psychedelics or we can't constantly access that realm because it's too overwhelming. It's, it's just, way too much so we we access it through our higher self or most people if they can ha- access it through their soul and their heart obviously many people currently on this world are, are not very much uh embodied essences of their own soul they're trying to find pieces of their own soul and piece themselves back together um which is a mindful ju- mindfulness journey in itself and so yeah it's god has the overarching role in all of this um and and it's about kind of just building yourself up to connect more in with god when i was having first conversations with my mentor who's an elder shamaness woman in colorado in 2015 and she was talking to me about god and seemed like she had an extremely she was the wisest woman i've ever met uh extremely deep connection with god already and i didn't particularly at that point that's 2015 so i'm but just gone 30 at that point um so for me it's just been a a day-to-day cultivation of this uh connection with god uh you know this Mm -hmm. uh 
is it Michelangelo uh, in the in the um, Vatican with the on the roof where they're trying to touch fingers between man and God? Yes, and it's yes, it is. It's about reaching out to Him. It's your that I I am self. I think Jesus Christ was the first uh, that we know of person to embody the I am presence in a human. Like he embodied it fully and him as a metaphor of the I am self and also an integrated soul because he, he did it. He did his soul mission here to the highest level that we know. Um, then we can start cultivating this and aligning with our divine plan, but it takes active mindful work and it's not particularly yes. easy. It's not, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not, but. Right. Well, I was, I'm interested that you brought up your experience with DMT because I was listening to your podcast and to the December 30th episode where you talked about this. And it's quite interesting to learn uh, some of the things you said about it. And one of the things that you said is that you haven't done it since 2018. You haven't uh, had experience with any of these substances since then because you felt like you've worked through a lot of your traumas and healed them and that you don't have as much healing to do now. So tell me about the the healing that you felt you needed to do. You've touched on that already with your uh, with the shaman. So tell me about the healing that you felt you needed to do. Well, the healing I felt that I needed to do was just latent within my being. It was just in my body. Uh, Dr. Peter Levine wrote a great book called Waking the Tiger. And uh, that really, one of the main points in it was that as humans, we have trauma trapped inside our bodies and animals in the wild, they will shake off their trauma. If a gazelle is chased by a lion and it manages to escape, it will literally shake. You'll see, you know, dogs probably do the same thing. Uh, most other animals, and he goes through that, and he's a great ambassador for this mind-body connection, one of the best out there. Um, and so I knew on having uh, experiences in different workshops, different body workers, I knew there was all this trauma trapped in my body from living uh, uh, a life uh, as a teenager, especially, which was very harsh on my nervous system because there was a lot of fighting at home. I had three younger brothers and my parents were going through a divorce at that point, which was elongated over many years. And there was just, you know, I was overly sensitive being anyway, and especially to, to sounds and things like that. And it was just not so much physical harm on me, my body, but psychological and nervous system was just on, a, you know, a level that I didn't, I knew I had to do something about it as an adult if I wanted to heal. So that was one, that's, I think the first part of the journey mm -hmm. and many people finding body-based, um, uh, somatic based practitioners, body, uh, breath work, um, healing body work, acupuncture, uh, ecstatic dance people go to around the world now. And also just cleansing your body with good nutrition and, and fresh water and making sure that it's clean uh, and you you start feeling your body in a different way you're mindful with your food you're mindful with everything that you uh, choose to do with your body 
uh, your sexuality becomes different. You you have to think about things in a different way if you're being mindful in every aspect of your life. So once you've done that part, then this bottom half of my true divine self map, or I say my, is not really mine, well, my mentor taught most of it to me, or but she just didn't put it out on a map, but she could have done easily. Um, so is the uh, divine masculine, divine feminine, divine child. And so the, the, the bottom half always starts with the inner child and there's always inner child work to do. And that was one of the first things I did with my mentor when I was in a real fragile state going through uh, relationship difficulties back then with a, uh, my former partner back then. And, um, yeah, that was really important work. Uh, I give a free meditation on my website that helps people with that inner, inner child work. And then it, it starts with healing this, uh, the inner masculine and inner feminine, because we wind up having wounded inner masculines and wounded inner feminines. And this Holy Trinity that is biblical in essence is, is a, Gnostic, uh, or it's a gnosis of meaning, you know, having more self-awareness around what is going on inside your own being and this inner masculine, inner feminine, which is, you know, all over society at the moment with the woundedness of it, especially in America. And, um, I don't want to wade too much into it, but I, I have done in my own podcast and will do in the future, but, you know, uh, gender dysmorphia and, uh, you, the trans issues with, uh, well, there was shooting in America recently. And then, and then there's a lot of drag Queens going into schools, teaching young children, things half naked. It's really, really weird time to be watching all of this stuff. Whereas if we had an education around our true divine selves and, uh, what, okay, we've come into these beings and we've come into this soul to experience our inner masculine and inner feminine in a healthy way. How do we navigate this as teens, as young adults and as fully grown adults? Well, we, we have to engage with these parts of ourselves. And ultimately when you are, in the the purest form of of these um the masculine and feminine the divine parts the masculine stands for integrity and unconditional love it's most Mm -hmm. simplest form let's keep it as simple as possible and then the feminine is nurturing love and innocence and so we all have these aspects within our own being obviously you tend to be uh uh if you're in a male body, you tend to associate more with the the masculine side. So you want, you're not as nurturing as perhaps as a woman, a a mother can be a mother. Mary can be and vice versa, you know? Uh, so there's this balance that we have, which is the beautiful balance between, uh, the feminine and the masculine. And so, um, it needs to be more mindfully engaged with in society in general. It's, what I go through in my book in much more detail detail than I can do here, but uh, you can get my audio book for free. I'm offering that on my website as well. So, And what is your website? Yeah, the the one where people can get the free stuff is heartinitiationacademy.com. Uh, there is a quiz okay. there to do first, but once you've done the quiz, you'll get the, 
the um, audio book and meditations about the true divine self. So it might be, uh, why well, it needs a bit more explaining than just a few minutes here, but I, I hopefully, sure, hopefully sure. give it some, some good overview. So you're getting an Yeah. Thanks for that overview. I really appreciate it. Uh, so I, I'm just interested about what you mentioned, the challenges when you were in your teens with your brothers and your family, do you still have a relationship with your brothers now? Um, yeah, but I, I'm, they, they probably haven't gone on the healing journey that I have. One of them has, um, a little bit, the other two not, they don't really speak Mm -hmm. to each other that much. It's not like everyone doesn't get along. It's just that they're very much their own people and they're kind of just living their own lives. And in different places. Yeah. Um, so the, and that's kind of the British men he doesn't have such a close family uh upbringing says i've traveled to colombia for example and like they have yes. the the closest family you can ever imagine um i live in yeah they do yeah it's amazing to be around colombian people and even in the czech republic where i live now that the, there's quite a strong family um uh upbringing. what made you decide to move to the czech republic i'm really interested well uh are you one was an entrepreneurial thing. I, I needed to get out of London f- for for financial reasons. It was just too expensive to live in. And um, wanted to find somewhere out of the UK actually, just to live better. But then love pulled me to um, Prague and start a relationship back in 2015. Not in that relationship now, but I'm in a different one. About to get married next week. And so, yeah. Congratulations love. on that next week. Yeah. Well, on Saturday, actually, and we're on Wednesday the 19th, so Saturday the 22nd. Um, yeah, and it's it's a beautiful place to live, Prague, because it's it's just uh, very well-balanced architecturally. I love the ancient cities. You can just walk around the old town, mm-hmm. and it's there seems to be a balance of the feminine and the masculine within the city itself. And there's not many cities like that. Some, most cities tend to be more masculine based that they, uh, neglect the feminine aspects of architecture, um, and beauty. Many cities, uh, I think Rome does okay at that, but Prague's uh, certainly one of the most, uh, beautifully balanced architecturally cities in the old town anyway. So, right. And what about the people there? Do you relate to the people a lot? Uh, the sense of humor is very good in, in Czech Republic, and um, that's great because they they need it because they came out of uh, communism for m- many years, only about thirty odd years ago now. And so, the fam that what I was saying about Colombia and the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. both of those countries, and even uh, I think Cuba, I I was there and, and they had a similar um, way with family. Is that they have this tight knit thing because all of the militias in Colombia with uh, Escobar and, and also the government terrific. Yes. So they needed a tight knit family and they still want to keep that ongoing now because it's not particularly great in Colombia on, on a national level. Same with the Czech yes. Czechs. They, they've, they've seen disaster in their generations and yeah. um, therefore they're not so uh, lackadaisical or laissez-faire about their family. They realize how it's important. Whereas I think the British, maybe the Americans as well. I don't speak for yourself about Canadians, uh, but the 
thing is they they think everything's fine when actually it isn't fine at all in England at all at the moment. It's an absolute mess. Like I could go mm-hmm. on about that. They they need fam. We need family more than ever. It needs to come back. Discover the remarkable journey of Anonymous John. No one likes feeling alone, anxious, or overweight. But John refused to let his circumstances define him. When his weight ballooned to a staggering 600 pounds, he made a choice to take control of his life. He began documenting his journey in his journal, and after shedding his first 103 pounds, he decided to share his story with the world. Through his journal, he offers inspiration and hope to anyone struggling with similar challenges. If you're looking to be inspired and uplifted, the Anonymous John podcast is for you. Join us on this journey of transformation and visit our website, theanonymousjohn.com. Yeah, we definitely do. And we need that here in Canada as well. Stephen, you mentioned humor and comedy. You do some work as a comedian. Tell me about that. What brought you to that place where you would end up on the stage as a comedian? Well, I've always been interested in comedy. I, I, I'm not actively doing that now. It was something that I did in 2011, actually, kind of just before I went on my uh, shamanic journey, my healing journey, um, and performed in front of about 120 people and, you know, had to leave the country afterwards because it was such a disaster. It was that bad. So uh, I've always had a love of comedy. I think it's an extremely important attribute. So what do you mean it was that bad? Do you mean the response by the the, audience? or what do you mean? I mean, it... uh, I was, uh, no, if anyone who's done stand up comedy, they might understand the nerves that come with it. I've, I've talked oh, on, yeah. I've talked on stage before about business and, you know, I'm happy to speak in front of people, but when you're pushed that everything has to be funny because you're now a comedian. Yes. It's scary. And I, my body was, uh, essentially pissing itself <laughs> like for the five minutes that I before I was going to go on stage I must have been to the piss like 10 times and I, I didn't know my body could do that it was a weird experience just experiencing that in my body I was like what is going on um and yeah there was one laugh at the beginning I did five minutes and then one laugh at the end and so there was like three minutes of silence but I I'm got quite edgy dark comedy and okay so the people didn't really get it no it's like too basically it i think to do my kind of comedy you have to write i'm somewhere i'm a bit like ricky gervais i like ricky gervais because i've I've followed him since you know he grew on the in england year year 2000 and 2003 he had a massive podcast and his his personality is some part of my comedy brain is mixed with my own and mixed with other people. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, too offensive for people. If you get on stage and, and you, they don't know you at all. You, they, or you're going to a club and you just, um, you know, people are, it depends on the audience. If, if you know the yes. audience, then you know what you can do. Um, yes. It's an art really. I respect if I had another, if I had a twin or, or if I had another life I could live now, I would probably be doing stand-up comedy or on a circuit, but I just don't have, it takes real time and real effort to do it full time. So I say I'm a part-time comedian because I like to make jokes and I like to show that humor is a part of my being and it's in my book and people laugh at my book and, and things like that. Also, 
when you're on this true divine self path, I'm a Libra as well. So I, I, I'm not, you know, massively into astrology, but I know for a fact I need balance. Otherwise I can't function. And so if I haven't got the humor on the other side, that's really part of my grounded personality, making jokes a lot with my partner or my friends, then Mm -hmm. like I'll go mad. I I just couldn't do it. Right. So I actually, yeah, I think it's an extremely part, important part of life and uh, relationships is to, to cultivate. Yeah, I do too. Humor. I do too. I often say, I don't think we laugh enough. Yeah. And I think that it's, it really helps us to be balanced. If we can laugh at things, laugh at the world, laugh at ourselves, you know, because it can give us something that being serious just doesn't, if you're serious all the time. Now, your book is called My Ecstatic Rebirth. The 10 Keys to Unleash Your Power, Purpose, and Pleasure. So when did your ecstatic rebirth take place? And can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, I think it's an ongoing thing. And it uh, became an ecstatic rebirth because I was looking at all the different facets of my being from sacred sexuality, from shamanism, Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the true divine self, and letting go of this wounded self. I mean, my mentor used to say a lot is that to step into this true divine self version of ourselves, which essentially is uh, the brightest version of your soul embodied in your being now, in your human body now, connected with your divine plan. That's what your true divine self is. It's not that you kind of lose your personality and grow a new one. You just develop a more evolved version of it. Um, just like when you're, uh, you know, 25 years old, you're not the same as when you're 15 year old. Absolutely. People seem to forget these things sometimes. Um, especially ones who are afraid to go on the the journey of healing. Um, so my, the ecstatic part really, um, kind of hit home was realizing I was more, like fully orgasmic in my body. I go, I was going to tantric workshops and also massages, mm-hmm. um, in Prague. And like one of them, I had a, like a orgasm through my eyeball. And this woman was sitting behind my head and I was, she put cupped her hand over my eyeball and there was all this orgasm going through my eye and my, also my brain and my, I can have these orgasms that go through my, um, brain, every neuron in my brain, when my partner licks my in between my forehead, which um, is kind of strange for people to hear when if they've never heard such a thing, but it, it, it is possible to essentially have uh, orgasmic experiences in any cell of your body. And I think beyond the cell in your whole soul, and it's this ecstatic uh, nature that is accessible to us when we step out of the wounded versions of ourselves, when we step out, step out of the shame mm-hmm. and these are uh, lower vibrational things that, uh, Dr. David Hawkins talks about in his book, power yes. versus force, which I talk about quite a lot on my podcast. Um, right. and that ecstatic nature is, is ready f- for all of us as, as we kind of go through this rebirth. And I think Christ was the one to point to this rebirth process through his extremely, uh, uh, say dramatic, uh, it's also extremely, everyone knows about his rebirth. So, yeah. um, that 
that in our human psyche, whether you're Christian or not, um, is is there and no one can deny it. And I think that that rebirth needs to be looked at on a in a mindful way in a daily basis um uh, in every aspect of our life from our sexuality from our communication from our nutrition to whatever it is so you're re- constantly renewing yourself into mm-hmm. a higher vibration of yourself um and if if you want to look into the scale of vibrations the power versus force is a great book to do that with. oh it is it really is yeah i wanted to ask you about uh the fact that i i couldn't find your book on amazon when where can we get your book uh the book there's an audiobook version uh, available from heartinitiationacademy.com for free if, if you want a workbook version if you want video um, it's behind me where you can write in the book and it's on the steveexperience.com i haven't got it on amazon i didn't feel aligned to put it on there i might do it at some point but it's um it's self-published through a company called lulu's and they do print on demand so uh enables to uh save shipping costs because i can it's printed wherever your closest printer is and there's printers all around the world but the workbook version is um yeah, available there and you you can write in it because there's uh, there's questions that I ask at the end of each chap- chapter which invokes more of a uh, healing process because you're engaging uh, with your soul and your higher self as you as you answer these questions in the book. But if you want a taste of it, then the audio mm-hmm. audiobooks for free. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I I will look into that. And I want to ask you a question about bullying, because this is something I always ask in my show. And do you have a story or a comment about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Well, I was thinking about this question because you put it on the email before. And it depends which situation. I'll probably give you two situations, one from my childhood and then one collective one. Uh, so the childhood, my, I think every kid at my school was bullied in, in some sense by just looking back, it seemed like even the big guys, which I was sort of probably a middle rung had my humor. People kind of liked me quite, uh, most people were like me because of my humor and, and, um, my sporting abilities, but there were still a group who were so-called friends who decided to write a book of hate about me and got everyone to sign it, which was my whipping against the wall as most other, some other guys were thrown into trash cans and got, and like, you know, had worse dealings than me, but I had that for a few weeks and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, more mindful attitude. I would have probably seek more justice for those people who did that. I, I would have probably, uh, told uh, my teacher or, or someone to to really look into what they were doing because I don't think I think one of those people that did it may have learned something from it, but they didn't really understand mm-hmm. the full impact what they were doing. I think it's a, I when see. when you're in a tra- when you're a teenager or a child, you should have faith that there are adults and tell more than one adult. If you can't tell your um, parents, then fair enough because they might have their own issues, but try and tell someone about what is going on 
and have faith that they will do something about it. If it's really bad, then contact the police uh, and, and, and have a situation because we should be help, helping our children out and um, forcing some kind of justice system and, and looking up really what's going on there so that they don't carry this out into adulthood. And so having a mindful attitude towards justice and the fact that you, you, you shouldn't be psychologically or physically or any other way pressured as a child to experience whatever you're experiencing where it's, you know, any kind of abuse. Yeah. And so that's what I would say there. Um, if you're experiencing that, um, and, and then, then the healing process needs to come in on a societal level to offer healing to whoever's punishing the bully. If it's a teenager, it's probably the parents or someone else is doing it. You have to really unravel the situation uh, and try and get as much healing done as possible. Um, on a societal level, I think uh, we were quite coercively bullied in the last three years by our governments and the media and certain lies and that's gone on in the world. And there's certain people that are speaking out about it from a mindful perspective. I think we need to continue speaking the truth. And there are certain politicians, Andrew Bridgen in the UK is doing a good job of that. But um, we continue need to speaking to need to be speaking the truth. It's what Christ is all about. I think Christ is synonymous with the word truth. You can't you can't disentangle those two uh, words. He could have been called Jesus Truth for, for all I'm concerned. That's what I mean there. So mm -hmm. if we want to live in a more mindful and conscious way for ourselves and for our children then when we must speak the truth when we see it whatever whether it's about right. the last three years or if we can't go back to that then whatever's in front of us now whatever ridiculous thing is is being peddled in the media actually find the truth about the situation or if it's a horrific situation that a child is experiencing because they are not having enough choice about a drag queen going into their school then speak the truth go and do something about it legally because the legal systems I think still um, should be providing justice in these circumstances because we still right. ag again have to have faith in the justice system whether we're a, uh, a child or a teenager or, or an adult we have to continually push the justice system to do something about these things. Steve, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a really powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Uh, I'd probably say my father. He's, he's, he's uh, just level-headed, uh, never mm -hmm. taken things too seriously, but just serious enough. So I would say him. Interesting. And tell me about your emotions. How does mindfulness help you deal with your emotions? Well, when you have the mindful structure that we mentioned about the map of consciousness and you're aware of that map of consciousness, 
right then you can navigate your emotions much easier because you're going to get to neutral and then love more quickly because you know where they are on the scary like okay i'm angry now and let's get to neutral as quickly as possible so i can at least look at the circumstance in a different way um and it's fine to be angry even if we're the most enlightened being in the universe. I mean, Christ was still angry at the money changes and everything else that was going on on this planet. You, you still can be angry, but get to neutral and then make a decision. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to talk to you about breathing. Do you have any thoughts, any ideas about breathing that can uh, help us with mindfulness? I think, this is that neurologist, Andrew Huberman. I think I was doing it naturally. He was talking about it on a video and this double breath in with the nose and then out mm-hmm. with the mouth. When you're slightly stressed, uh, I mean, he talks about it from a neurological perspective, but it, it essentially uh, decreases the stress in whatever situations. You're, you're having a, a heated conversation with someone and, you want to calm down a little bit. They don't even particularly know you're doing it, or maybe they do notice it doesn't really matter, but it just deregulates your system and and makes you calm and calms the nervous system. So that's a simple one to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, My next question is about a book. You've mentioned a number of books already. You mentioned Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? Well, I like to go to the extremes when it comes to uh, mindfulness. So um, Viktor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, I mean, he said between stimulus and response, there is a space in that space. It's our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And that's you know, considering he had a Christ-like journey with the horrific things he went through um, and managed to come out on the other side and and write a book that was so profound and then went on to work in uh, psychiatry and this profound uh, person in terms of the field of existential therapy, you know, it's got to be that. I also look at the Gospel of Thomas, which is, not necessarily a book, but it's in the Nag Hammadi scriptures and from, you know, Christ obviously went through deep suffering and, and that book is 114 of his sayings that I've actually gone through on a podcast uh, in terms of analysis, but it's better to go through it on your foot, on your own uh, and see what mm-hmm. you take from it. Um, there's a lot of mindful uh, points within that and wisdom. So those two, are, I know you asked for one, but I give two. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. And the last question is about an app. And I know that you're a podcaster and you, I guess, probably listen to a number of podcasts as well. Uh, So those are some apps that people use. But are there any apps that you would recommend can help with mindfulness? Uh, Well, I mean, the ones that I do use, not specifically for mindfulness, but Sure. It's more music. Uh, so I, I know on YouTube, there's a lot of these seven hour or three hour um, meditations, mm-hmm. um, which I use a lot. I'm When I'm working, I'm always listening to these uh, 
chilled out vibrations that put me in the right mood for creativity and that's a mindful way to work so i would probably choose that in terms of what i use uh mm-hmm. just choosing uh, your music selectively so it could be a spotify it could be a, a youtube um th- those i think really help me to be more mindful and, and uh, approach my day in a in a in a beautiful way i think yeah Mm -hmm. steve i feel like we could talk for a long time yet because there are so many topics that we could discuss including forgiveness including guilt including death i think that we could really get involved in quite a lot more conversation but i just want to thank you so much for being on mindfulness mode because i think that you're a perfect fit for the show as we wrap up do you have any final words of advice for our listeners our mindful tribe listeners well as we step deeper into this i think we're as collectively going through a great awakening at the moment in, in 2023 and this is a great thing that bruce is doing is this mindfulness podcast that because we we need to take more self-care we need to take more self-loving actions to us as we go through this great awakening as things unfold the truth unfolds more and more we have to become more self-loving and uh, compassionate to our fellow humans so every moment that we spend taking care of ourselves means that we are overflowing our cup to uh, fill others so i think that's a uh, probably the most mindful way i could end this because there i think I see more chaos coming on the horizon and uh, it's going to be a time to uh, navigate your ship uh, to the shores of calm waters um, and calm land uh, via self-awareness, self-love, self-responsibility and mindfulness. Right. Well, thanks again. Thanks again, Steve, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. All the best to you. Bye now. Thanks, Bruce. Okay, thank you so much. Hey, Mindful Tribe, want to get better sleep? Want to be more relaxed? Want to build your immune system? Well, my sponsor, Athletic Greens, has a product that you might just really love. And I know I do. It's called AG1. It contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, and probiotics. And it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial ingredients. You mix it with water, and it, it, like I said, supports better sleep and better alertness as well. And Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science and it costs less than three dollars a day so if you're interested in this mindful tribe here is a special offer just for you athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com mindfulness So with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.